we should providing for the experience rather than online ordering. So the model itself is very, very hybrid. Um, yeah, food hall, beer garden, um, and dark kitchens. At this interesting time in hospitality, operators, workers, entrepreneurs are constantly thinking about better ways to do things, innovations, good, I guess, uh, crisis-proof ways of delivering food to the people. Our guest today is a, a thinker and an entrepreneur, someone who is um, yeah, very creative when it comes to serving food and drink. Uh, so Yun Kim is about to launch Easy Street, a food park and dark kitchen in North Melbourne. Yun, welcome to Dirty Linen. Thank you very much, Danny. Um, my name is Yun, or people call me Crazy Yun. Um, this is a great honour to be part of this podcast with Danny. Well, it's actually my honour as well, Yun. So thank you so much for being here. Uh, Tell us about Easy Street. What actually is it? Yeah, Easy Street is the platform. We provide affordable space for our food partners who doesn't have enough um, capital um, and also someone who would like to piloting their concept and brand. Um, the site is um, acting as... Um, food hall as well as dark kitchens. So if I go there as a customer, what am I going to experience? Um, the customers, it, it looks like just um, food hall. So we're welcoming for the walk-ins. Um, there are 10 different brands from the Korean brand to the Japanese and Italian, Turkish, Taiwanese and the Japanese cafe and the bar. We're also going to opening the beer garden at the back um, from this Saturday, as well as our partners also um, using and leverage their kitchen as a dark kitchen as well. And so what kind of relationships have you built up with the with delivery partners, like, you know, the Uber Eats, the deliveries of this world? Yes, um, we have a very strong relationship with four different delivery partners, including the Uber Eats, Deliveroo, DoorDash and Menulog. So we do have um, very favourable um, deals and partnership and we sharing discounted commission rate to our um, Easy Street partners. And what, what are you expecting to happen? Like how how much do you think people, your businesses will be dealing with walk-in trade and how much will they be operating as dark kitchens? Yeah, our team is projected, it will be 50% from the walk-ins and another 50% of sales we expect from the delivery orders. Okay. And I mean, what's your business model? Like, do you taking a clip on the orders or how does it work for you? Um, okay. <laughs> yeah. Um, we do um, have agreed with all our industry families is hybrid model. So we minimized the fixed rental and then we have a small profit sharing with our families. And so what kinds of 
you I mean you mentioned the different cuisines, but sort of what stage of their business life are these, um, you know, the, the food operators at? Um, is, is it very various? Um, Eto Pasta is well established the brand. They got the eight different stores um, in Melbourne. Um, for instance, Captain Burger, they're doing really well in Glazeland, but they just piloting their first burger brand. And also well-known, um, the Japanese, um, the ramen shop and Shinbashi, they already got the four different shops. Jimanuel, they got um, the two shops in Melbourne. Shinjun is Korean street food brand. They got the um, 750 stores all over the world. So it's, it's very depends. Mm, that's so interesting. And why do you think that this is a good model to roll out at the moment? Yes, um, we're just looking at um, when we're designing for this business model, um, we start this concept um, just the middle of the pandemic. Um, we initially planned to do complete dark kitchen. However, um, we have decided to looking at and we just coincidentally pivoting how we can um, preparing for the post-COVID. At the same time, the venue itself is quite um, the um, the COVID proof, if I said. So who knows when the COVID 6.0 comes back, then all the venue is activated as a complete dark kitchens. Yeah, so, yeah, really interesting. So I guess you've got some of those economies of scale and that sort of buying group power with the apps so that you can, yeah, people can get a better deal. But then also, yeah, there's no need to do the do the so-called pivot. They're already ready to go um, as a dark kitchen. Yes. For instance, in venue, we do have a drive-through. Um, in the venue, um, the COVID, hopefully not, come back and the drive-through is for now is occupied by our beautiful um, the cafe operator from the Fitzroy um, that we just convert, converting to the the uh, the click and clack and traditional drive-through model um, so we, we just pre preparing a lot of like um, ideas how we can preparing and minimize our risk yeah wow <laughs> it's it's so clever like it almost it gives me chills to think about, you know, this um, crisis-proof business that you've set up because, of course, we hope we're not back in that scenario. But, um, but yeah, it must give everybody a level of comfort to because we know what we've been through, that, at least, that you know, that it's your, um, you know, poised to survive whatever the world throws at us. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> so what about aesthetically? Because, you know, as people might think, oh, it's um, a bit of a dark kitchen, maybe it's really, you know, a really boring space. Like how have you sort of thought about the design and the experience for people as they come in? Yeah, so um, is what I learned from the COVID and doing my previous careers, like people is the number one. So we build up the great team. Um, and especially for the Japanese laneway, we call the Yatai Mura. So we invite the one, the Tomoya, the owner of the Chotomoto and Wabi Sabi Salon. So we tied it up, um, we invite him as a team and then we decorating, try to be something different compared to the other um, Japanese restaurant, for instance. Each corner have a different theme. We have 
one of the biggest um, disco ball in the ceiling. We do have a beer garden. Um, so like every corner, we just try to like Melbourne, like melting pot. Yeah, sounds really good. And Yun, you mentioned your previous careers and other businesses. I'd love to learn a bit more about your backstory. Um, can you tell us about yeah where you're from and how you come to be here in Australia? Okay, crazy Yun. Um, <laughs> okay, so I, I born and raised in South Korea, Seoul. And um, after the army, I went to Japan um, as a walking holiday or backpackers. I stay in one year and I learned a lot uh, working for the local council as a cleaner, saved a bit of the money for tuition in, um, in Melbourne because I was planning to carry on. Um, I was planning to working for my uncle because he's doing for the um, trading business, um, working closely with Japan. Um, but I realized I need to study this English. So I came to Australia as a backpackers. Um, but after paying for the tuition, I only left the $500. Um, lucky enough to get a job um, for the college because I speak both Korean and Japanese. Um, and working for seven years, um, another three years um, in Victoria University, uh, what I've been doing was um, international marketing and business development, recruiting um, the Asian student for the university and colleges. Um, but my major was hotel management. I always have a dream to doing for my own accommodations. Um, so I opening for the Oji house. Uh, we managed about 300 beds across five different locations in Melbourne. But lovely, COVID came. Because mm. was, was your accommodation aimed at international students? Which is correct. So um, after the international border closed, um, all the businesses disappearing, I had a two-car, um, gone, uh, house, gone. So, um, yeah, it was quite challenging period. Um, the middle of pandemic, um, i done for one of a startup called the OG Helper, which is private concierge services. The, the, the reason behind is because all the, our international students or our tenant in OG House, they lost the job. So I've been thinking how we can assist them and also carrying on our business. So we just start up the business, giving the job for all the students who are living in Oji House and, you know, let them to make in the money and let them to make their rent. Um, but I realized without the actual technology background is very difficult. Um, hence, I decided to just giving to my friends, their company, and then I jumping on to um, disinfection service for COVID cases. So um, I brought the machines from South Korea from my dad, and then I done for the job for three months. Um, yes. Wow, you tried so many different things. So this concierge service that was basically to try to keep your residents employed so that they could pay you some rent still, I guess. Yeah, because like. They're all international students lie on their part-time job, but, you know, one day they've just been told normal job, yeah, it's, which is not very good. No, it was a terrible situation and, of course, they weren't eligible for JobKeeper or JobSeeker, so they were, yeah, in really desperate situations, so many of them. So it's amazing that you did something to try to help. And then the cleaning job, so that's like basically a sanitising where there were COVID cases. 
Yeah, that's right. So, um, every, yeah, everyone is scary. Um, you know, they don't want to have a dinner together, whatever happening, even, even the families. But I just need to work in for keeping the families because it was zero income. But, you know, um, after one month, all the cleaning companies started doing for the sanitizing. So I just realized, okay, move on. And so how did it, how did it come that you started doing the dark kitchen or, or thinking about food as a business? Yes, um, after the warm sanitizing business, I start um, the another startup called the Easy Street. So I do have homestay company. Homestay family also lost their extra income. So we just thought how we can assist for local host families as well as um, our partner international student um, because all the students in school, they can actually studying and teaching English, but it's almost impossible to get actual life experience. So that is our start. And we actually placed over a thousand lessons, which is very good. Um, but again, it's not very sustainable, sustainable income. Hence, one day my wife is told me, why don't we do some fish and chips shop? And I'm working at the back office and we're running the sh- um, you know, fish and chip shop between my wife and myself. But, uh, you know, it's not really idea what, where the, our life to goes uh, because we got the three kids, year four, year two, um, you know, prep. So um, I just keep looking and one day I realized the Chef Collective, which is owned by um, Uber Eats, uh, ex-CEO. Um, I went through the excursions then, oh, I realized it's actually almost same as what I've done there before, the international student accommodations. So I keep researching and lucky enough to get the site in Macari Road and decide to go. So, you, so you're so you basically looking at Chefs Collective, which is founded by one of the guys that started Uber Eats, and you realise that this model with bringing people together under one roof to do food was similar to the model you had with bringing people under the one roof with uh, as accommodation. Is that, am I understanding correctly? Yeah, that's right. So it's interestingly, um, my mother-in-law is, is came to Australia and then she started ordering for the food from the app. That is really triggering. Okay. During the pandemic, people start ordering from the app, someone who haven't really used that before. So I realized, keep researching, and there was a huge um, the market in Australia market compared to the mature market like North America. So I'm becoming very serious. However, like the during the, um, the project, I realized um, the pandemic shouldn't be too long, and we start to um, preparing for the post-COVID. Once the door is open, international border open, everyone go back to the work. Um, we should be providing for the experience rather than online ordering. So the model itself is very, very hybrid. Um, yeah, food hall, beer garden, um, and dark kitchens. Yeah, I love it. It's just such a, you've got such an entrepreneurial mindset. It's really quite mind-blowing. Um, Jad, you've just turned in so many different directions over the past couple of years. Thank you very much. <laughs> <laughs> Is there something in your in your family background or in the, you know, people that mentored you as you were studying or something that's made you think like this? Yeah, I, I did mention it like I'm working for the uncle because before I born, um, my family's running for the hospitality, the restaurant, one of the first 
um, the Western restaurant in South Korea, um, doing very well. Um, it's, it's kind of before I born, um, they already started, but um, the back in 90s, um, the Korea hit um, Asian, the economic crisis, then my dad is almost bankrupt. So he's still driving the truck. Um, that gave me a lot of momentum um, to success the business. <laughs> yeah, that's the reason, one of the reasons I left for the you know, comfortable corporate job um, from the universities. Yeah, wow. So interesting. And I mean, we love to give people ideas for their own businesses on this show. You know, from from what you've seen of hospitality, you know, the challenges and the opportunities, what do you think, you know, other people in small businesses could could think, you know, I feel like they've they've put so much thought into their businesses over the past few years, but you know, what what lessons do you think you have for them? Um during the pandemic, um I done the bit of the course, online course, um, HBS, like Harvard Business Schools. Uh, what I learned is just like P O C D. Number one is people. It's like people, 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 and O is opportunities, and C is the context, and D is the deals. Um, so, I believe like people is very very important and need to see the opportunity, need to be prepared. And the context, like, you know, the people need to understand about the context of the industry or the market and also to make the right deal. Yeah. So I guess people can apply those, that POCD to any situation that they're in. Is that the idea? Yeah, that, that is what I only learned from the entrepreneurship, the course, um, and otherwise, come to the Easy Street. <laughs> <laughs> Check it out. Get inspired. Indeed. <laughs> All right. Amazing. So, Yun, when I come down to Easy Street, I know I know it's going to be hard for you to pick a favourite, and you don't have to. But what do you reckon I should try? What's what shouldn't I miss? Oh, that is million question. I, I'm sure after this, everyone is listening for this. Um, I need to be fair. Um, I'm a big fan of Japanese food because. Um, you know, I spend a lot of time, so like I need to repeat. Um, um, Parukulamen, they're on Channel Nine the other day. They their ramen is amazing. Um, their lobster ramen is should try. Shimbashi, they doing gluten free and soba sushi. Um, you know, tempura option. Captain Burger, they try to achieve very unique Asian flavors. The burgers. Um, Vietnamese flavor, Malaysian flavor, Jimanuel Taiwanese street food, they're amazing. The volume is really good. What else I can tell about the Eto Pasta, they're well-known brand, they're artists, um, they're, the pizza and pasta is amazing. We have a Shenzhen, um, BTS, Crazy Korean, K-pop, so their food is great. Um, we also do have um, heavily inspired Turkish inspired seafood brand called the King of Mosul. This is their first um, um, brick and mortar restaurant from their food truck. We also have great um, the nacho and the burrito option from the burrito bay. There again, um, they're the second shop from the, their food truck. We also have um, the Japanese. Um, the cafe from the Fitzroy is called the Taiyosan. Um, they're doing great. Um, the coffee from the Japanese uh, barista, and also they have um, brunch option too. So, like 
I cannot tell you what should I, what you need to try. Um, I just need to be looking after my family. <laughs> yeah, no, I love it. Basically, I need to be there 24-7 eating everything. So, yeah, <laughs> good plan. And Yun, what about what's next? I mean, I know you're just opening, but I feel like you must have a lot of plans for the future. Yeah, um, I cannot tell much for now i just try to make the surprise everyone um, but um, we're looking at um, the new project is complete japanese theme we try to make in the japanese town um, in east brunswick we're also looking for the um, the permanent night market concept in footscray and sony force stay tuned wow i love it <laughs> So cool. And and lastly, you know, a lot of people are feeling a bit, their energy is depleted. It's, it hasn't been easy times. Um, do you have any optimistic encouragement for people listening? It's, it's, yeah, I'm um, just crazy. Yoon, uh, what I can tell, um, you know, nothing fancy, but believe in yourself and make it happen. Awesome. Fighting words. I love it. Okay. <laughs> I'll see you on easy street. Thank you very much indeed. Thank you for your time, Denny. This is Dirty Linen and I'm Danny Vallant. We air the issues that the hospitality industry finds hard to talk about, hearing from different people with unique perspectives. We want to hear from you as well. If you have something that needs to be said about a topic, get in touch so we can include your perspective. Contact us at dirtylinen at deepintheweeds.com.au or hit us up on Insta at Dirty Linen Podcast. We can't wait to hear from you.